Well, hello, hello. And I'm saying hello to you, Miss Cheryl Horn. We usually introduce you after a short introduction, but here you are off the top. How's it going? Yeah, I get to jump right in right at the beginning. I'm doing good. How are you? Everything is good here. And I feel like I can't breathe. <laughs> it's so busy. You know what's going on? That's the fire alarm in the building. And you know what? That is a metaphor for my life right now because <laughs> every single project is, um, they, you know, everything got delayed. And so I was like, oh, cool. We'll just take our time because everything's delayed. But at some point, the things that got delayed are ready to go. And that is now. Everything is ready to go now. Every client is ready to go now. Every project is behind now. So um, I'm just having one of those feelings of over overwhelm. That's the feeling. I'm having feelings of overwhelm. And it's summertime. It's not consistent with the weather outside. You know what I mean? No. And you know what? I don't think you're alone. During summer, we've always had sort of an uptick in new members. And I've always sort of gotten the impression it's because more um, designers are slow right now. Clients don't want you in their home. They want to just enjoy it and they'll jump back in in the fall. But do you mean like oh, pre-pandemic, like we have had peaks in the summertime? Yeah, probably just over the last, I mean, we've been doing this, you know, 10 plus years online now. So, you know, over the course of that, summer has always sort of gotten busier, but just the impression I've gotten talking to new members recently, especially in the last couple months is exactly what you're saying. It sounds like they're overwhelmed with projects. Things are not going well and they've more, you know, just sort of hitting a wall that it's like, okay, I'm listening to the podcast for a couple of years now and I'm, I'm ready to jump in because, you know, the projects I'm doing just aren't giving me another choice right now. So I don't think you're alone with the, with the feeling of being overwhelmed. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. I'm not being a very good uh, advocate or advertisement, I guess, for Business of Design right now. When I'm saying that, like, it's not that I'm out of process. I'm not out of process. But at some point when something gets delayed, it comes due. And then it feels like I have less control over the timing of all the projects because things are coming due at these random times, which we hadn't anticipated. So for example, we received some appliances on a job site yesterday and everything was delivered except for the dishwasher, but they delivered the front panel of the dishwasher. And then when we said, hey, uh, you forgot to include the actual dishwasher you just gave us the front panel of the dishwasher they said oh sorry we're, we we can't get that to you for a couple months so now we're in a position of needing to store a front panel of a dishwasher but not having a dishwasher i mean that has just never happened to me ever in my entire career so there's like weird stuff happening so everybody else is feeling it too probably it sounds like 
Yeah, I think so. And I think for everyone, like even, you know, sticking to the steps, timelines are harder to control right now. It's just, it's different than it's ever been before. But, um, you know, I know that we've definitely over the last um, month had so many members doing coaching calls with you and they've been members for years and it's, um, did you get the fire alarm again? I, I didn't. Do you need to leave the building? I hope not. No, let's just keep talking. It's cool. <laughs> I'm on the 33rd floor. What could go wrong? <laughs> I think they're just testing it, but you know, I don't know. I, I'll hear screaming if there's an issue. I suppose. Okay. You, you let me know if you need I'm to cool go. cool this but... way, right? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. What were you saying? No, that's okay. I was just saying so many of the uh, coaching calls you've had lately are with long-term members. And that seems to be a common theme about sticking to process. And as soon as you deviate from that a little bit, you know, things just go haywire. Like, Oh my gosh. It's so true. And imagine, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) imagine if, if you're out of process and you're dealing with a post pandemic or almost post pandemic world, like things are a little bit crazy. And so if you're not really crystal clear on the linear process for running a project, I can't imagine how stressful it would be. And I'm only stressed because I am a control freak and I like to manage the timelines a little bit better than I am managing them. And we're just getting more surprises than we normally get. Well, and you know what? I know that the actual interview was was months ago at this point, but um, last week we just aired the members only episode with Iris Piercy, who's a long-term member of Business of Design, uh, episode 13, but very much along those lines, long-term member and all of the answers, a lot of the questions actually led to their own answers, but it was all really back to the basics and sticking to the 15 steps. Um, You know, that's really come up a lot lately. But what I also liked about that episode, which I know that this has come up so many times in group coaching, but it always amazes me how many questions or how many issues are solved by raising your rates. And that was just (laughs) something we hadn't really talked about in a long time. And it came up on that episode again. So those were sort of the two key takeaways from that about, you know, if you need that motivation to either raise your rates or um, to set aside time to really retake or take for the first time um, the Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy program, um, that was just, it was a great episode for, for that. So that was MoBOD episode 13. So if you're a member, you get you gain access to MoBOD by going to your dashboard. And then what do yes. you do when you get there, Cheryl? Uh, when you're logged in as a member, if you're if you're not already, you have um, your own menu. So the site's going to look different for you if you're logged in as a member. And one of your sidebar options, in addition to our programs, um, you know, a video library, everything like that, is the MoBOD podcast. You're going to have exclusive um, episodes, and this was one of them, and it was a really good one. Okay. Yeah. And she is a long-term member and I'm, I feel like I'm being really repetitive lately, but it's so much like being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You keep going to meetings because if you don't keep going to meetings, you forget and you suddenly drift out of process, which will land you in hot water. But I want to go back to something you said, which I think is so true. So many problems you're having on projects can be solved by raising your rates. Cheryl, what can be solved by raising your rates? Let's let's go through a few of them. Well, it's probably giving away parts of the episode. Um, but if you have clients that take a really long time to make a decision. Yes. Yes. 
they're going to answer quicker if they're paying by the hour. Um, yeah. If you're um, getting clients with a really low budget, the, um, the, I don't want to say quality of clients that doesn't sound right. Right. Because you can, it could be a wonderful person who just doesn't have the means right now to hire you to be the project manager. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that was pointed out, which, you know, we've heard a lot, this is not, you know, um, unique to Iris's situation, but losing out on jobs to designers who have higher rates, not lower. Right. Uh, It happens over and over again. Somebody says, oh, I'm losing jobs. So obviously that means my fees are too high. And then when we drill down, we find out that those jobs went to not designers who charge less, but designers who charge more. So it never is about the fees. It's that is something we make up and tell ourselves if we're not really paying attention. That's a really good point. And and that reminds me too of a long-term member from Australia has been getting a ton of leads. She hired a new marketing company and she's getting a ton of leads, but those leads aren't turning into projects. And the reason those leads aren't turning into projects is because those leads aren't her customer. There are people with budgets that are way too small. So it's, you know, it's, of course you want to get leads if you need more customers, but a quality lead is what you want. Not just anybody getting in touch with you. Yeah, for sure. One of the other, um, shoot, I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, this doesn't happen very often. It's usually no. like lost, <laughs> my, well, I lost my mind. Yeah. Well, no. And you know what? I just re-listened to the episode. I always do when I take them live because I end up getting, um, questions from people who have listened. And in some cases, you know, we work so far ahead. It's, you know, it's, it's months since I originally edited or listened to, to an episode, but, um, it, it did all of the job site project or, um, project issues that she was having that just sort of kept cycling around and she was answering her, her own question on that. So it's definitely one to, to listen in on. That happens a lot where people like, when you really, when you ask them what's going on, they begin to be able to pull from memory and answer their own questions. Yeah. Right. If if they've been a member for a long time. Well, and one of the things that um, sort of relating to that as I guess a justification for keeping your rates lower, um, you know, in, I guess it's this probably the step four course where you do all um, the heavy lifting uh, where, you do sort of ballpark how long it takes you to do certain tasks. And it's, you know, a half a day for this, a half a day for that. You're not narrowing down to minutes by any means. It's different for every project, but you're ballparking how long it would take you to do tasks. And I always get the question, but what if it takes me longer to do that? I can't charge what Kimberly t- charges because it, you know, it takes me longer to do those tasks. And, you know, I've, I've done the math for so many members where it's, you know, if you are just starting out and maybe it does take you twice as long, but you're charging half the rate at the end of the day, the value to the client and what they're paying is the same. So if you're doing a task twice as quick as you were a few years ago, but you're charging the same rate for that increase in expertise, then that doesn't quite balance out. So as you know, people use that to sort of hold themselves back. I can't charge more because I can't do it as quickly as somebody else, but there's probably tasks that they can actually do quicker. Um, you know, for you, you've got other staff members who do different tasks. You're not going to do AutoCAD as 
quickly as probably one of your junior designers, <laughs> right? Master. As a <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, okay, so good. So you reminded me of another thing that is another problem that is solved when you raise your rates. Being broke all the time. That, that gets too. solved. But of course, you know what? I say that. And yet if you can raise your rates, if you're not billing for all of your expertise, if you're not actually logging those hours and then billing for it, um, or if you are doing what a lot of people do, which is charging a flat fee and pretending that time is irrelevant, uh, you can stay broke even by raising your rates. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot uh, within the members uh, community is hiring. People are hiring contractors or wanting to outsource certain tasks. And it comes up a lot as well that I can't afford to hire a junior designer. I can't afford to hire a bookkeeper and justifying that by, oh, once I increase my rates, I can do that. Yeah, I. that's just, in both of those cases, those people could be performing tasks that are only billable hours, particularly if you're working with an independent contractor versus an employee. An independent contractor, all of their hours should be billable. I was speaking to somebody who had an independent contractor. And by that, I mean, that's someone who's not an employee. It's just someone you hire um, for a task or a job when you need them. And there's no obligation beyond that. So I was speaking with someone who had an independent contractor and she said, yeah, probably only 50% of her hours are billable. I'm like, what? What? Wait, what? No, 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 no. When you have an independent contractor, their work should be billable. That's why you have them. Let somebody else do, you know, you do the stuff that's not billable. And by the way, what's not billable? Gosh, very little is not billable if it's related to the project. Well, and that's, uh, I think, part of it as well, that um, there's a lot of debate between having, uh, you know, the pros and cons between having employees versus contractors. If you have enough work where you can give them full time, but don't necessarily want, I don't want to say the responsibility of having an employee, but it's scary to have to then be obligated to fill those hours um, versus maybe splitting that work up between different contractors to do more specific tasks and those same tasks for every project. Gosh, you know, the bottom line is if you're the boss, the buck stops with you and you have to be organized or, you know, you just spin your wheels and spend a lot of money, but raising your rates and then actually billing the clients for the amount of expertise or in increments of time that you spend on the project is a, is a game changer and you'll feel better about yourself. So you're, you're right. There's so many problems at just raising your rates uh, can solve. And so we do, we do tend to talk about that a fair bit, I would say. Um, but, you know, vis-a-vis state of the industry, it's so funny. I, I'm sourcing a lot of tiles for projects right now. And in, in the good old days, meaning 2019, if I went to a tile store, and I would say, I want a sample of that, 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 that. And I'd wait 15 minutes and they would give me a bag of tile samples and out I would go. And now they're telling, telling us, like, come back in four days, come back in five days for the samples. Or we can get you that sample, but it's going to take three weeks. And so I'm actually doing a presentation where 50% of my tile samples are images in, in my keynote presentation, which is really funny because I don't remember ever doing that before. I always had a physical sample in my hand. And so now I'll just be saying like, trust me, it's beautiful. This is the one you want. And once we get the physical sample, I'll come back and show it to you. But um, so there's weird stuff like that too. It's just, it'll be interesting to see where things shake out. 
Well, and I can understand companies not having as much in stock. You know, things are less predictable right now in terms of what they're going to turn over. But um, the samples is how they would make their initial sales to begin with. It surprises me that that's something they wouldn't make readily available. So you as the designer couldn't even see them? Well, we I could see the sample that they had in their showroom, but I couldn't leave with the leave sample with that I could then take and put with all my fabrics and stuff like that. But I was talking to my husband about this, you know, Bob, of course, yep. and he's in the lumber business. And he was saying that there's such a shortage of support staff in so many industries right now. It's possible that the reason they don't have samples is because normally there's a guy in the back who cuts the samples and they don't have that guy in the back. And so they just don't have pieces ready to go, right? And there was also a conversation about the fact that a lot of companies switched to an as-needed inventory chain. So in other words, you didn't keep any inventory in your showroom or in your in, in your in your business because you can just order the inventory you need really quickly through Amazon or through some other resource, wherever you're going to get your inventory. But supply chains are so broken now that it may, we may have to go back to keeping some inventory in order to fulfill our client demand. So that's going to change our industry as well. It's just, uh, it's just going to be a fascinating uh, experience to, I mean, like we're living through history, right? There's very few times I can remember in my life where I've been just literally living through history. Yeah. And what about trades right now? I mean, over the last couple, uh, not couple of years, year and a half, um, talking about how busy all of the trades are and even the timelines with that. Um, I've seen a lot within the member community looking for um, referrals to work with new trades, things like that. Are you finding that your trades are available to do your projects or that you just have to wait longer to start a project to make sure you get your A-team on site? Yeah, I think both of those things are true. I have good relationships. And so they're they're aware, they're cognizant of the fact that we have a good relationship, but they can only do so much. And so, for example, we're doing one project where we did the presentation like in February. The project is not starting until November. That has never happened ever before. Like that, just 10 months wow. of just give us a deposit and 10 months later, the project's going to start. So, uh, you know, I feel so grateful because if you're just getting to know trades and you don't have those loyalties, you have to really cover yourself with clients and just let clients know trades are swamped, trades are squirrely, um, they're not meeting their timelines, just really, really emphasize to clients how um, insanely busy it is right now so that you're covered and um, we have friends, I don't even know if I said this on the podcast already, but we have these friends doing a million dollar landscaping project and they're putting in a swimming pool and a pool house and a chicken coop. And it's, it's fantastic. And they decided to save money that he would be his own project manager. So I remember when he told me he was making that decision, I said, are you sure about that decision? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I can totally do it. I'm working from home now. I'm like, okay. I can tell you a few things that might happen. And so I did. And he said, no, 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 we're totally good. Anyway, fast forward a year later, they've made like, instead of making 80% pro, pro, uh, pro, progress so far, they've maybe made 10% progress. And I said, it's because you're working with people who don't know you. They have no relationship with you. If they have to decide between making Joe Schmo, who they don't know, happy and making the landscape designer they've worked with 50 times happy, they're going to make the landscape designer happy. And so he's like the last 
priority. And now he's like, oh, I should have listened to you. And I'm like, mm, it's too late now. And just to clarify, this was not one of your projects. You didn't do the steps one to five on this, right? No, no, this was not okay. my project at all. It was just friends. It was a friend. Okay. They didn't ask. Um, yeah. And I don't even have to say what that's like, right? You know, when your friends, like when your friends decorate their house or do something without, and you're like, hmm, I wish we had talked. Anyway, <laughs> that's how that is. Yeah. <laughs> And then what? it's really tricky because you have to go like, oh my God, it's amazing. But you're like, oh, why didn't they ask me? It's terrible. <laughs> oh no. One of the other things that's come up a lot um, lately. So we've been doing a lot of promotion around um, the BOD contracts. They just um, came, the 2021 version of the contracts came out not that long ago. So we've been doing some promotion and as well um, coming up uh, next week, August 18th is our BOD live. Uh, we're going to be talking about the contracts and answering some of the top questions that we get. Um, but are you finding a difference between clients wanting hourly versus flat fee? I've spoken with a lot of either new members or long-term members who have been using the hourly fee contract for a long time. And it seems I'm noticing more that they're making the switch to flat fees. Is that um, because we've been talking about it more, they're learning the, the process for flat fees and might be just confident now to make the switch? Or is do you find that that's more um, directed by clients wanting a flat fee over hourly more so than they did before? Huh, I don't know. We're not, we're not getting more requests for flat fees than we normally do. Um, so I don't know. That's really interesting. I do know it's funny. I'm working on, as you know, Cheryl, forever and ever, I've been working on the salary profit wealth yeah. uh, program program. One of the exercises is to go backwards and see what your clients, uh, what clients spent with you uh, in the past. And it's really illuminating because for me anyway, I had no idea that let's say Mr. Jones in night in 2019 spent $75,000 on design fees. I, I don't have, I never went back and totaled things. Um, and when I see that number, I think to myself, wow, that means would I have been able to ask Mr. Jones for $75,000 in a flat fee had I, had I gone a flat fee version with him instead of an hourly fee version? And I would say across the board, it's extremely hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. And so I worry about people switching to flat fees unless they're feeling really strong and confident and they've done their analytics and they know that they, they know what to ask for. Right. Well, and that's one thing that we've been talking a lot about, um, internally now that, um, you know, this year business of design brought on our own CFO to work with us for the boss group right. that's launching in October. And as we're getting closer to that, um, you know, being part of boss group, you're opening up your, um, your contract, your finances, everything like that. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about is the importance of not only tracking your overall PNL, your profit and loss, but project by project, mm -hmm. because especially if you're charging hourly versus flat fee, you're not necessarily going back and adding up month over month and right. looking at it on a project by project basis and really comparing what one project looks like to another. And that's whether it's two flat fee projects and the hours that actually went into that, um, yeah. two hourly fee projects or comparing what you made off of two very similar projects. One was flat fee, one was hourly and really looking at that. Um, you know, I think most of the 
members who are are joining boss you know they're at the level they've they're looking at their PL. they they have um an accountant bookkeeper in place they have those monthly meetings quarterly meetings like you do with your financial team um but so they're they're you know they know the overall financial health of their company but really breaking down project by project and how different your company can look when you look at numbers like that yeah. And how much discipline it takes to slow down long enough to look at those numbers. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm not sure we solved anything today, but I hope what you heard made you feel like you're not alone. Uh, you're not losing your mind and things are a little different out there right now, but the bottom line is you got to stay in process. You probably need to raise your rates and there's a really good possibility. Uh, if you show up to business of design live, you're going to meet friends, uh, fellows, and peers who know exactly what you're talking about, no matter what's going on. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know if I actually ended up giving full details, so I'm going to repeat it now in case I did, but the next BOD Live, we're talking about contracts, and it's going to be Wednesday, August 18th at 1 p.m. EST. Please check your local time to make sure that you're joining <laughs> us at the right at the right time. We do move it around once in a while, but for the most part, it's at 1 p.m. EST, so details are on the website for that, and we hope to see everyone there. Amazing, amazing, and I don't think my building's on fire, so I feel like this was a win. I hope not. But if that alarm goes off again, please get out of the building. Like that, that was like three times that you completely ignored a fire alarm. I know, but I hear nothing in the hallways. I don't hear any like elevators. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Enjoy the sunshine today, Cheryl. Thank you so I much. Will. You too. Time. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for being part of the business of design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today 